When we switched to a four-day work week, the productivity was the same or even better. And when they looked more closely, they found that, oh, perhaps people spend less time on on less efficient and less effective workplace practices. And particularly they highlighted that, oh, the meetings were not so productive anyway, and they actually spend less time in meetings. Welcome to The Ripple Effect, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the minds of work and faculty. I'm your host, Dan Loney, and in each episode, we'll be diving deep into the inspiration behind the groundbreaking research that Wharton professors have conducted and exploring how their findings resonate with the world today. So get ready to dive into new ideas with The Ripple Effect. The four-day work week is no longer just an abstract concept. It's a global reality in the making. Euronews recently shed light on this movement, revealing that trade unions all across Europe are fervently advocating for governments to embrace the four-day work week. Portugal has taken the plunge as the latest country to embark on a trial, joining the ranks of the UK, Spain, Belgium, Denmark, and the Netherlands, who are already well underway in their own experiments. While early indicators show promising results in productivity and output, it's still too soon to predict the final outcome of this transformative shift. In the United States, CNBC conducted a recent poll that resonated with a staggering 81% of full-time workers, all yearning for the elusive four-day work week. And they're prepared to make sacrifices to attain this. But do we truly comprehend the nature of these sacrifices? Our guest today, Ivan Barenke, will take us deep into the intricacies of the four-day work week. He'll reveal that while it may sound appealing, it's a far more complex endeavor than simply trimming a workday. So join us as we explore this fascinating phenomenon. Ivan, pleasure to talk to you again. Dan, so nice to see you. Thank you. And so the the idea of the four-day work week, I guess after everything we've gone through during the pandemic and the kind of the success that people have had in terms of working remotely and all the different changes, should we be surprised that we're starting to see more and more ideas like this come into the mix in terms of when we think about what work is going to look like? No, I think it's uh, very interesting that um, because employees uh, have gained a little bit more bargaining power um, because the labor market was very favorable for employees, uh, employers had a, often a hard time finding and uh, retaining their employees because they were switching jobs. So that gave them a bit more leverage and that perhaps has um, brought up a couple more ideas on how to accommodate uh, the needs of employees in terms of work-life balance, in terms of other obligations that they have. Um, and, you know, we will see ideas like this coming up up uh, all the time. And, uh, yeah, the four-day work week is an interesting one, um, although it is, it is something that has been around a little bit, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's the unique thing, is that this is not a new concept. No. Historically, there is a history there. Yeah. But it's realistically, it's new in terms of what we think about work here in the United States. Yeah, just, just to provide a bit of historical context, I mean, the four-day work week actually was tried at a large scale in Germany uh, by Volkswagen after reunification. And that was really in the context of large restructurings of the economy because with reunification, people discovered that most of the industry, uh, most of the capital uh, in East Germany was not competitive. So that led to massive restructuring uh, and many of the Western companies bought uh, their counterparts in East Germany. And then they faced the situation that they had to really rebuild how they are doing everything. And 
In the past, you might just oh, let's just fire people, and then when we want to hire them again, we can bring them back on board. But that transition is is very very costly. You know, firing and then finding and training them again is very expensive. So there, they found uh, the situation where they say, well, uh, currently we don't have as much work, so we cut the work back to four days. Um, and uh, in the German context, it was almost at the same uh, pay. So it was uh, it was their, their pay did not shrink by twenty percent. It shrank by a little bit, but 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 not by twenty percent. And but you know, Volkswagen then went back to to the full week uh, at at some point. Yeah. But the the idea of the four day work week now, yeah, is obviously it's a little bit different because the expectations are probably different for what would be what you would get from an employee. Yeah. Uh, in part, in part, I think already. If I may just put give one more historical uh, experience from that, um, because um, you know the workplace is a funny space, uh, because there, there's work that has to be done, and companies uh, think about what work they need to do and how many people they have uh, uh, that they need for that. Um, but people who are in the workplace, they of course are thinking about their career, and careers are essentially tournaments. And uh, the way you get a promotion is to be good, but also to be better than your peers. And that led to a dynamic in the experience of the four-day work week, how many people actually took work home because they not only just wanted to get the work done, but they wanted to excel. They they were like contractually obligated to leave because these are un- these were union jobs in the Volkswagen place. And they did, then they continued to work at home so that they, you know, could win in this tournament. And that was something that led them to pressure among their peers to do the same. So it was not just you, Dan, because you're a well-known overachiever. You can't stop working, right? But then, you know, your peers at other, um, um, you know, executive education or business school or radio stations will do the same. So this then led to like a contagion effect across the, the place. And that led to a, uh, a view by many employees that this was actually quite more stressful because, um, the experience, the expectations of performance uh, remained the same. They were not really adjusted to the fact that they had 20% less time to work. And that put actually more pressure and more stress onto the employees. So that was just like one historical experience I think is, is relevant to bear in mind. I think there have been now some new uh, uh, forays into this. And there were like a, a couple of researchers who partnered with some companies and um, they, they looked at the data and uh, they seem to report that, you know, when we switched to a four-day work week, the productivity was the same or even better. And when they looked more closely, they found that, oh, perhaps people spend less time on on less efficient and less effective um, workplace practices. And particularly, they highlighted that, oh, the meetings were not so productive anyway, and they actually spend less time in meetings. Now, here, I think it's worthwhile to reflect a little bit about what the modern workplace is like, um, because it's not that you know you hire people to to uh, to just like plug things together, right? And there's <laughs> on an assembly yeah. line, um, because these jobs, especially with ChatGPT, are perhaps those who will be replaced by programs or by machines anyway. So most of the jobs that require a human input and where value added is created are what we would call complex jobs or non-routine jobs. And one particular type of job, and here's a bit of a jargon here from computer science, is called irreducible complexity. So this is jobs these that are complicated 
And whenever there was there's a change in the circumstances, you really have to think again about how to optimally spend your time. So think about this, for instance, for you, every day you have to think about how much time you want to spend on emails, how much time you want to spend on meetings and talking to other people, and how much time you want to spend on in the studio, right? Right. And in the end, you want to figure out you know, what makes you happiest and most productive. But when I say there's a shock in the economy, and because this time allocation job is a complex one, um, but whenever there's a change in the circumstances, this actually asks you to rethink how you spend your entire week. And this is very, very laborious to do that. And this is why people in organizations, on the outside, they look. it might look like it is not productive what they're doing when they're sitting around talking to each other. But what happens in those circumstances is that they reflect on their work with their colleagues, they learn from each other, they learn uh, from, from them what they tried and what worked better in the current situation, where they actually update their algorithm on how to spend their time and how hard to work on certain tasks. So my concern here is that this is a bit of a simplified view of what the workplace really looks like. Um, when we say, oh, just be effective and, you know, just get your, crank your workout and, you know, da-da-da-da, get it done and then you can go home and then you can spend time with your children, learn another language and ch start a charity or whatever people do are doing in their spare time. I, I don't think that's really the, the correct view of what a value creation job looks like. So that's, that's the balance that I'm thinking here. It, it, and as you were saying that, one of the other things that came to my mind as well is the perception of what the employee has for what they think is the right mix in terms of duties and responsibilities yeah. in comparison to what the middle manager or the C-suite believes yeah. is the proper level and how those two may very well could, could clash at times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when I thought about the, this new interest in the four day work week and what it does to the workplace and, you know, spending your time more efficiently, I, I have to think about uh, my marriage or everybody's marriage where, you know, there's one thing where you agree on what to do and then you, you do it, you know, um, I don't know, my wife works on, on, on the, on our taxes and I perhaps fix dinner and whatnot. And this is, this is very good separation of tasks. But on the other hand, there are also these moments where we just like casually sit together and think about what we want to do and how we want to spend our time on. And this is where we actually come to an understanding. And this is really essential. If we take away this time where people can reflect and discuss what are the important routines and where people can express their different visions about what the work needs to be done, when we take this away, this just leads to uh, a schism in the workplace where there's just like a, the employers who pass on orders to their employees to execute them, which in the end uh, takes away a lot of the meaning and job satisfaction and where people are just disgruntled and don't want to work in the workplace. And that is not good for productivity and not good for innovation. So I think we have to be really careful that um, we, we have to create a space where people can continuously improve and realign their visions in the workplace. And when we squeeze them for time like this, um, I, I, I fear that this might be uh, at a loss both for the employees, but also for the companies. Then what is the, do you have kind of a formula then, do you think, uh, of what it would take to make a four-day week work on, on all of these different fronts? Because I think that's the challenge, that, you know, to, to get the best of both sides here. Yes, yes. So I think uh, 
what we should not do and what I try to convey is we should not take away the time and space where people can hang out, where people can exchange ideas and learn from each other in the workplace and align their vision with the different layers in the hierarchy. That is important. I think moving to four-day work week should not mean that we take away meaning time, a meeting time, uh, and where people are just there and implement the work. I think that is the that is the concern I, I have here. So I think what we need to simply do, if people say, I can or only want to work four days a week, and the companies are, are happy with that, then basically we need to shrink all components of this. I have a worry that, you know, if we do this, then this might lead some companies to um, actually do away with all these people who want to work four days a week. So here again, going back to Germany afterwards, um, there was a, a, a very senior politician who actually took over uh, one of the few competitive companies in East Germany, which is Size Econ, you know, the lenses and optical measurement uh, instruments, which was like very competitive then. And then he th when he thought, when people asked him about the four-day work week, he said, that, you know, I don't know, maybe the future is that people are just working on Tuesdays, right? Is that, yeah. is that what we're trying going forward? Obviously not. Right. So my concern is that when people are shrinking down the jobs in a compartmentalized way that can be done in four-day work week, they might just as well subcontract them because people who only show up for part of the week, they're much less integrated in the workplace, much harder to manage um, and, you know, much harder to supervise if they're not there uh, a lot. So this is a slippery slope and I think not what companies and employees actually want. Well, and, and playing off of something you said a moment ago, we're also at a time right now coming out of the pandemic where uh, work from home, remote work is, is, has grown. Uh, for yeah. a lot of people, you also have more and more focus on things like benefits. And while those are great for a lot of the employees, kind of off of what you said, the potential is that it could have a negative impact because you have the options of chat GPT and other words to be mm -hmm. able to get rid of employees and not have them working a four day week where some of these would be benefits for them. Yeah, I think this is the, the big discussion now. I mean, we want to create a workplace where benefits are better. This is really having better benefits is, is very, very instrumental for large sections of the of the population, especially those who are, you know, have a weaker social environment, you know, think for instance of, of single mothers. They they really heavily depend on these benefits to actually be able to participate in labor force. So it's it's very productive to have these benefits around. And there are lots of studies that show that these benefits are conducive in the long run for better productivity. Um, so, but on the other hand, when companies see this, they might say, as I say, just we don't hire them and then we just uh, subcontract them. But again, the, my worry is that if you subcontract something, it is not the same as having an employee because these persons are not really integrated in the routines and the culture of the workplace. And uh, they, they, they don't have a say of shaping the workplace in the most effective way. And employees are at the forefront of the work. They know what, uh, what are the challenges at the, at the front lines. So this, this feedback loop leads to better productivity. And by, with a subcontractor, you don't have that at all. So I, I think uh, people need to think about carefully what, uh, what they miss out on or what they lose when they move to a four-day work week or when they are moving to subcontracting. And I think, you know, four-day work week is an intermediate step to just outsourcing and subcontracting uh, and not for a better uh, workplace environment. And, and when we're talking about this, realistically, we're not talking about all jobs here. 
We're talking about even within companies, there are probably certain jobs that maybe would would fit in that category and other jobs that would not. And you could probably say that by business and by sector as well, that there are some companies that could probably do it, other companies that would not be able to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about it, when you say, oh, let's, what are the jobs that are, would really work well uh, for a four-day work week? You might say, oh, these are pe- jobs that are pretty routine uh, where, okay, you and you just do the job where it's well-defined what the tasks are, it's well-defined what the what has to be done. Um, but it turns out, I think many people who actually push for the four-day work week are not those people. These are the people who push for the four-day work week are those who actually are quite competitive in the labor market. They say, oh, you know, I want to perhaps do other things. Perhaps they want to do another job on the side uh, or, or another career development on the side. And those are people who actually have many of these non-routine tasks. And they are not all that great to be translated to a four-day work week. Think about this. If you are running a team and you have a big project with many team members, and in addition to the complexity of the team, you of the task, you also have to keep track on who is there when. You know, when is the day five when they're away? Because it's not that it's Friday where they all go home. It will be all over the place. So this comes with a lot of um, coordination and logistical problems for companies when they actually have to do these non-routine, complicated tasks. So th- this is the interesting thing where the people who push for it are actually not the ones who uh, who would be the most, uh, most amenable to have these kinds of tasks and, and these kinds of job designs. What do you think then is the potential like downstream impact of this idea of the four-day work week kind of being implemented here potentially in the United States? I think it's, first of all, I think it's great that companies and organizations always explore uh, new uh, new ideas. As I said, we had experience in the past. They were from a very, very different context. And sometimes ideas that were used in a different scenario can generate uh, very unintended benefits in a new scenario. So I think it's fantastic to see this in the workplace in the U.S., that companies are always exploring new ideas and I'm, I look forward to see, you know, what what else we are going to learn. Um, what we have learned so far makes me a little bit worried, uh, as I say. You know, what we have learned so far is that people are just cutting out unproductive meeting time. Uh, that sounds, of course, very entertaining and resonates with a lot of people. But that leads me to say, well, then perhaps you need to make the meetings better. And on the other hand, meetings are really important for value creation and reorganization that have, have to happen continuously. So... I think um, I, I look forward to what else we will learn as companies are exploring this uh, among the many portfolios of other ideas that they have. Um, but if they are, if it's the same as uh, <laughs> in Germany in 1993, I think it will be a transitory idea. Um, it is a reflection of companies trying out things, perhaps employees pushing for it. But after a while, they realize that this is just too complicated to coordinate, uh, keeping track of who is in the office when. Uh, and people as well perhaps want the simplicity of a nine-to-five job uh, that they can depend on. And there's something to be said about how we have kind of become entrenched in our, yes. in, our in our patterns and our history here in the United States. And, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's quite a bit harder to be able to break from those patterns. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there you have like the binary situation where either people stay in a certain pattern or companies just immediately jump over to subcontracting. And uh, that is kind of the slippery slope I'm, I'm worried about both for the employees and the organizations to, to move more into subcontracting. Yvonne, great to talk to you as always. Thanks very much for your insight. 
Yeah, this was very interesting. Thank you. Ivan Barenke, Associate Professor of Management here at the Wharton School. Thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.